Yeah, tell them, Zeke. The case for plant-based diets with Amy Longer. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome to Solving Healthcare. I'm Quadro Caramante. I'm an ICU and palliative care physician here in Ottawa and the founder of Resource Optimization Network. We are on a mission to transform healthcare in Canada. I'm going to talk with physicians, nurses, administrators, patients and their families because inefficiencies, overwork and overcrowding affects us all. I believe it's time for a better healthcare system that's more cost-effective, dignified and just for everyone involved. Welcome back, Qualcast Nation. We are excited to bring to you another fantastic episode featuring Amy Longard. And we're continuing to try and bring you content to get you healthier. And one of the approaches, one of the approaches that we're going to learn about today is about plant-based diets, how this can be another tool in our arsenal to get healthier. And Amy's full of knowledge. She's a culinary artist. She's a social media queen. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear this episode. First off, a couple of housekeeping things. If y'all haven't prescri- subscribed yet, jump on the train, yo. Subscribe to Solving Healthcare. Leave us a five-star review. It helps with the visibility. We appreciate it. Next, we have a resilience stress management conference coming up on September. September 27th, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and it's all about how we could manage stress, create resilience within ourselves during this stressful time. Proceeds are based on donations, and 20% of that is going to go to our lovely charity, Bridges Over Barriers, so please support that. That's at solvinghealthcare.ca backslash resilience. Also, we got our amazing summit that we had back in August that's for sale at solvinghealthcare.ca backslash low carb, where once again, giving you tools on how we could get you healthier. Ivor Cummins, Joy Kitty, Dr. Paul Mason. It was game all over this bad boy. All right, let's jump on it. Okay, we I'm so excited to bring Amy to you. She's local from Ottawa, amazing recipes, full of knowledge when it comes to the plant-based approaches to health. So let's jump on this. Without further ado, Amy Longard. Welcome, everybody. We are back on the Quadcast. We got Amy Longard, plant-based diet enthusiast, culinary (laughs) artist. We are so excited. And it's a local talent all up in Ottawa right now. Obviously, we're doing this interview from a distance, but it is an absolute pleasure having you on, Amy. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me here. Absolutely. So why don't we start with your story? Like what led you in the journey of plant-based approaches to, to diet and, and to life? Well, first of all, I'll tell you, I 100% did not grow up knowing what plant-based was. I literally knew no vegetarians or vegans. I grew up in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Luckily, I did grow up with a mom who was really into making home-cooked meals. She was really all about like using what you have in the kitchen, being cost-effective, being economical, using your foods from the garden. So I was really exposed to healthy foods growing up. Like I did eat a really a well-balanced diet and also a diet that comprised of different things that a lot of my friends might not have eaten. Like back then, my mom had traveled and tried sushi somewhere. So we're eating sushi when we were kids in Halifax in the 80s. Like nobody was eating sushi in the 80s in Halifax (laughs) or trying things with like curry spice. And, you know, Nova Scotia, a lot of people found like pepper to be spicy. So throwing some curry spice in a dish was a little bit different back then. So I had a trained palate for healthy foods, different foods, which was really good 
for me as I grew up because I was open-minded and receptive to trying different things. As I got older, I, you know, went off on my own and moved out of the house and started making my own foods. And I guess you could say I wasn't the best chef. So you introduced me as a chef, which is weird. I still find it even weird to say, and I am a chef. I'm a trained chef, but I did not know how to cook. Like my mom was an amazing chef. So anyone who's grown up with a mother or father that is just a fantastic chef, it's almost like sometimes you don't learn because they're just loving it in the kitchen and doling out amazing food. So I wasn't a great cook myself. I was just learning and figuring things out as I was going in my 20s when I was on my own. And during that time in my 20s, when I kind of started my career, I was working in communications, public relations. I worked for the UN for a bit, then moved to Ottawa to work for CBC and ultimately ended up with a government job like everybody else does in the city. <laughs> it's like, it's a rite of passage. You've got to do at least oh a in the government. Yep. So at the time I was playing a lot of recreational sports. I was formerly a competitive soccer player and competitive cross country runner. So even in adulthood, I kind of kept that stuff going. I did a lot of volunteering. I had a good job, lots of friends, life is going really well, but I was plagued by some health conditions that I just kind of assumed were normal. So Basically, since childhood, despite eating really well and being exposed to a lot of foods, I always had chronic coughs, uh, sinus infections, post-nasal drip, the neti pot, which your listeners may or may not be aware of. It's like this little teapot that you pour saline solution in your nose and a lot of weird stuff comes out when you have sinus <laughs> issues. So I was like hooked on that. It was the only thing that kept me breathing. Just lots of sinus issues, skin issues as well. And then ultimately... I think it was about 26, 27, I ended up getting something called shingles. And I don't know, you're probably familiar with that. Absolutely. And what happened was I had these like really bad stabbing pains in my back. And there's like a little rash there. It's sort of like a related to nervous system and nerves. And I was this healthy person eating well, relatively like trying my best to cook my own foods, pack my lunches, playing sports, lots of friends, life was good. Why am I getting this weird thing called shingles that from what my awareness was, it was like more of an old person thing. Like people in retirement homes, they're supposed to get that when their immune system's compromised and like, you know, it's not for healthy young people. So that was kind of weird because I was that person people thought was like, I had it all together because I'm doing everything. I'm, you know, I was kind of that well-balanced person, but underneath it all, really, I think I was just doing too much. Wasn't taking care of my health the way I should. I'm an extreme extrovert. So a lot of socializing a lot of being out, not really focusing on my health. And around that time when I got shingles, a friend of mine who's a yoga teacher was promoting a yoga retreat in Costa Rica. So I said, you know what, this might be good for me. Like the shingles is somewhat related to probably a compromised immune system. Maybe I need to start working on some stuff here, thinking about my diet, thinking about like what I'm doing for exercise. Cause I was an intense person as a former high performance athlete. Everything I did was like intense. So started getting more into yoga, eating better, drinking more water, less things like less alcohol and went off to this retreat and we were living in a farm in the mountains of Costa Rica for a week uh, with these like raw foodists who literally would like pick all the veggies from their farm and make these amazing like all plant-based vegan meals. We'd literally like make tea by picking like an herb off a little stem and put it in the hot water and pick bananas off trees after we did our workouts for the morning or yoga. Um, so it was a really great experience. And what I found was that I really enjoyed the food. And weirdly at that time though, I had the worst sinus coughs and colds ever. And I felt really bad because I had a roommate who was sharing a cabin with me and I coughed and coughed nonstop all night long. This was like the apex of my cold or my sinus, whatever was going on. And I enjoyed the week though. And I loved the food. I was like, this is good. Like I can kind of make this stuff at home. Probably I'm feeling good. Like I know I'm on vacation. So that probably has something to do with it as well. But the food is great. 
at the end of the week, I was kind of having a little bit of a head-butting conversation with the owner of the retreat about being vegan and vegetarian and is that feasible? Is that is that even a thing for people? Like, aren't we omnivores? Like, aren't we, don't we eat a certain way that humans are omnivores? And he said, yeah, well, humans are omnivores, but that means that they're capable of assimilating nutrients from animal products as well as plant products. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily supposed to eat both or that they have to eat both, but they can assimilate nutrients and thrive from animal proteins and plant proteins and animal products and plant products. So I was like, okay, that's different. I just never thought of it that way. I knew nothing about diet and nutrition at the time. And then he said, well, why don't you like try, like you're doing really well here. You're enjoying the food and loving it. Just like try being vegetarian for a month. Start in the new year, January 1st, give it a go. And I had this sense that dairy might be the cause of my sinus issues. Like I had this sense for a long time, didn't fully commit to getting dairy out though. So I said, you know what, I'm gonna just like one up you, go vegan for a month take out dairy, try to eat as much healthy plant-based stuff as possible. So after the retreat, I went home and started kind of learning more about it for about a month or so. And then on New Year's Day that year, the following year, I started a month of being plant-based and it was crazy. Like A, I just didn't really know what I was doing. So I already was kind of struggling with cooking, let alone figuring out this new way of cooking. And it was just amazing to see my cold, the sinus thing completely went away within the month. Mm. The thing that I literally had since childhood as a kid, I would be going to the IWK Children's Hospital because my parents didn't know what to do with this kid that was coughing nonstop. Even then that cough progressed into adulthood. It just went away, like it never came back since then. And that was almost nine years ago. My skin conditions that I had, I just had sort of like dermatitis and little things, nothing major, but it just totally went away. Energy was amazing. Um, this is totally anecdotal and hilarious, but the first soccer game that I played while being plant-based, I got a hat trick immediately. <laughs> Game changer. I was like, I'm light as a feather. I have no animal products in the system right now. I'm just floating. <laughs> so it was just like that. Like, I don't think that really has anything to do with it, but it was just hilariously coincidental that that happened. So all that to say, I've kept it up for eight years now, almost nine. The change that I saw really affected me in that, like I thought coughs and colds and hacking and this post-nasal drip, that was just part of life. Like that's just who I am. I just have this thing. It's not life and death. It was just annoying. I lost a lot of sleep. I had to run out of meetings periodically for cough attacks. And to see that just go away, something that I just assume was so normal. Um, and I do think a bit, a big part of it was probably removing dairy because there are some connections with congestion, inflammation, dairy. I can't say for sure because I pulled everything kind of out at the same time, all animal products, mm -hmm. but I've never had that come back again. My neti pot now, last time I saw it, it literally had dust on it. So like, that's how long it's been sitting unused. It's cool to see that all happen. And the biggest change that I've noticed too, is that I'm able to take what I've learned. Cause I, I was like, do people know that like what you eat affects your health and people just don't think about that. So I've spent a lot of time just helping people make that connection whether it's with my cooking lessons, my workshops, my online programs, and just helping people really love and embrace food. Like food should be fun. We should enjoy it. And it should also make us feel good. We're doing it as a nice act for ourselves, but also feel good in our body and give us energy, vitality, and help us fend off sickness rather than induce sickness. I love it. I mean, I'll, I'll say straight up, Amy, you know, I went to medical school a long time ago now, and I can still promise you the same thing that nutrition is not touched upon in any way or any significance. Mm -hmm. And I'm new to the nutrition space, but as I'm learning more and more, 
about how what you eat can affect how you feel, affect allergies, affect inflammation, affect your weight, affect some autoimmune diseases. I just think this needs to be explored and promoted and talked about more. So this is exactly why you're on the show. And I got to tell you, I'm from Alberta. I am the antithesis of plant-based, you know what I mean? Like this is not my huckleberry at all. This is all new concepts to me. I think mainly the only reason I'm, well, there's two reasons. One, our head of uh, social media, Julie Hajar, she's a big advocate for plant-based diets and also seeing the, the Netflix documentary Game Changers and seeing like, I know in my opinion, it's a clearly biased thing, but it's still opening your eyes to what benefits could happen if you approach a more plant-based diet. One thing we should clarify before even uh, diving a little bit more, Amy, is I get the names mixed up. So like, what's the difference, for example, between vegan, vegetarian, plant-based? Like, can you give us some guidance in terms of the differences? So that's a good question. And you'll notice that if you like see anything I do, I generally promote plant-based because it's a diet that's predominantly focusing on eating mostly plants. So focusing mostly on plant-based proteins like lentils, beans, chickpeas, flippies, tofu, tempeh, nuts, seeds, even whole grains are going to contain some proteins and eating lots of fruits and vegetables and just having a a varied plant-based diet. And there's variations to the plant-based diet as well, whether some people may include some animal products. Some people really stress the factor of like the whole foods plant-based. So where you're really trying to get foods as close to the natural source as possible. So rather than say, just to give you an example, like a whole food would be like a tomato would be a whole food. A ketchup would be a processed version of that tomato. So really like just make your own little tomato sauce by mixing up tomato rather than having ketchup. So just thinking of it like really eating as close as possible to the source. And there's so many variations of a plant-based diet. People go at it their own way. But generally when people are going striving for health, they're really looking at like the whole foods plant-based. And that's a dietary stance. Um, It's a very effective dietary stance for most people. It can work for you whether you are somebody who's just wanting to eat healthier, somebody who's a high-performance athlete. Um, There's various ranges in there. It would just, you'd adjust the macros depending on your needs. And usually that's becoming in tune with your body and what you need to do. As for vegan, it's more of an ethical standpoint. So people will choose veganism, whether it's for animal ethics, animal welfare. A lot of environmentalists now are choosing to eat more vegan or plant-based. Generally choosing plant-based is probably actually better for the environment than going with a vegan standpoint. Like for example, an Oreo can be vegan. It's not plant-based though, right? So you could live off veggie burgers, veggie dogs, and Oreos and be vegan. It might not be as healthy. And depending on your goals, maybe you don't care about health. Maybe you just don't want to eat animals. Maybe you just want to do better for the environment. So it's more of an ethical standpoint on the way that you choose your food. And that includes clothing. Even if you're choosing a car, you might get a car with no leather seats and instead choose fabric seats. And then vegetarian is a whole other thing because there's various ranges. Because culturally, some vegetarians include fish or eggs or dairy. Whereas some cultures in vegetarianism might eat entirely plant-based, no nothing animal products. So it really depends on who you're talking to. So that would be closer to vegan than vegetarian. So there's a, a wide spectrum, as you know, with all diets, there's kind of like people fall various spots within the spectrum. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Thanks for clarifying that, Amy. So we touched on it a bit, but just to clarify, like the advantages of going plant-based, when people ask you this, what comes to your mind grapes? For me, obviously, because I kind of found this path through health more so than any other perspective. So for me, I came at it from a health perspective. But honestly, I do take on a lot of like vegan 
ethics now at this time too, because of what I've learned. But I say health is the biggest influence for most people to go plant-based. We see a lot of people reversing things like diabetes, heart disease, people with arthritis find it really improves their symptoms, weight loss as well. Because the fact is when you're eating plant-based whole foods, the foods that we're eating are so high in nutrients and so low in calorie. Like you can eat so many plant-based foods and still be low calorie. Like you almost have to be like, okay, did I get some nuts and seeds and did I get some avocado in order to get fat? Like it's easy to be very, very low calorie if depending on how you're going about it. So for weight loss and maintaining a healthy body weight, as well as longevity, there's lots of uh, research out there showing that eating predominantly plants, maybe not fully plant-based, maybe some animal products, but eating mostly plants is highly linked to, and and there's other lifestyle factors as well. So I'm going to just put it out there. It's not just diet. There's other things that affect it, but diets that are kind of linked to longevity are ones that are leaning more into plant-based. There's just so many benefits from a health perspective and you're just eating such a nutrient rich diet. You're getting lots of fiber, which most people are missing nowadays. It's one of the biggest missing nutrients. We hear everyone talk about protein so much, but when anyone ever asks me about protein, I'm like, are you getting your fiber though? Like, do you poop regularly? Like, You've got to ask yourself that because nobody wants poop sitting in their colon. Like it's got to leave. It's not supposed to stay there for a long time. Get that poop out. Yeah, get that poop out. Like we do not want poop in the colon. (laughs) So it's just, that's one of the things that nobody seems to talk about because fiber is not really a cool topic. Like poop is just becoming cool because all these nutrition podcasts are out there. So it's just um, getting in the fiber is a huge one. Um, And also too, when you're eating more plant-based, you're actually also naturally getting in more water, which you may see with your clients or patients is that most people don't get enough water either. Like super basic fundamental thing. It's probably the most basic nutrition advice you can give anyone is drink more water. The cool thing about eating more plant-based is you're actually eating water too. Mm. So kind of fun. So what I'm hearing is obviously great sources of fiber not calorie dense food. So you need to eat more volume, which makes it harder to overeat is what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. Associated with longevity. I've seen those papers too. Like, I don't know if they call them plant-based or vegan when you read the, some of these papers, but there does seem to be an association with longevity from this approach. And then clinically you're seeing some of these things, eh? Like, are there any kind of stories that come to mind from any of your clients in terms of having some significant health improvement? I always think back one client she had really debilitating arthritis, arthritic joints in her hands. Mm. And she went fully, like she went plant-based whole food style of eating and completely cleared that up. That's like kind of one of the big ones is the anything related to inflammation as well as digestive issues. Interestingly too, a lot of people who suffer from digestive issues tend to see that clear up when they eliminate things like dairy, overconsumption of meats. Meat is really hard for your stomach to break down. You need a lot of stomach acid to tolerate that. So a lot of people see uh, digestive issues go away. However, I must do that with a disclaimer is when you first start eating more plant-based, sometimes you do see exacerbated digestive issues because you're eating more fiber, Mm -hmm. which our microbiome, our gut is often not ready for that. If you're somebody who wasn't eating a lot of plants, maybe eating a predominantly meat, dairy, processed foods diet, the bacteria that reside in your digestive tract, they're just not ready for all that fiber when you first start out. So you may actually see, unfortunately digestive issues at the beginning, but ultimately clears up and then you're, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. So clearing up digestive issues, things like colitis, Crohn's. Now there is some debate with that. Some people find it's hard to make that shift because if you're suffering from poor digestion and digestive issues, going through a phase where it might be worse for a bit is not ideal. But yeah, and, and heart disease, I hear that so, so often. People who have had a heart attack, their cardiologist has talked to them, like you've got to make changes, diet, lifestyle, multiple things. Diet is often shifted in towards more plant-based eating and they see 
great improvements from that. So there's, there's so many testimonials. Um, but to be honest, one thing I really focus on is really just connecting people with eating food and enjoying food, loving food, moving away from processed food. So very basic things that just help people maintain a healthier body weight, help them get like more energy, help them feel sick less often, less colds, sleep better. So just the basic things that aren't maybe as shocking or life altering, like a heart attack, but just these small changes from focusing on eating more whole plant foods will impact your life in ways that might not be dramatic, but very profound as you lead your life. I love it. I love it. And this might be a tough question, but like I said, I, I got to wrap my head around this stuff too. Cause it's the Alberta and me, like we're having steak tonight. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm smoking some meat tonight. So like, give me a, a sense of, you know, whether lunch, dinner, breakfast, like a typical plant-based meal. Like a day in the life type of thing? Yeah. Like what would be the content of some of these meals? That's a good question. So everyone's quite different for me. Like I love doing things that are like, say a curry, back to the curry again, I guess that childhood thing just stuck with me. I love the, I love spices and, and different aromas in my food. So whether it's using chickpeas, lentils, tofu, tempeh or something with a bunch of veggies, with some coconut milk, um, serve that over rice or quinoa, wild rice, anything. So doing sort of like a big pot of something, whether it's a soup, stew, curry, uh, having that over a grain or maybe a buckwheat noodle, rice noodles. I do a lot of like Asian inspired foods. So like say a vermicelli noodle bowl with some tofu, some mint, peanut sauce, lots of greens, yes. tomatoes, cucumbers. So that's something that I literally do all the time in the summer because it's a cold meal. Like you don't have to cook at all or even making things like a veggie burger with red lentils, quinoa. It holds up really nice and serving that over a bed of greens with some tahini dressing, some sauerkraut. I'm really into fermented foods. So I'm almost always serving like say if I'm doing like a little wrap with like I found these wraps here in Ottawa. They're called um, raw wrap it up and it's like a local Ontario company and they're basically literally dehydrated veggies turned into a wrap. They're very healthy. So for your health conscious listeners, you will like them. I don't know if they're for everybody because they taste healthy. You know what I mean when I'm saying they healthy? <laughs> I'll put in like a veggie burger that I've made and then put in some greens, some sauerkraut, a little dressing on top and have it in a wrap. And yeah, for I love like main meals. Like my lunch would be very similar to my dinner. For breakfast, we're usually like quick on the go. My husband and I both are self-employed. We're kind of working long hours. So we'll get up and like, sometimes it'll be a smoothie. Like just recently we were using um, pumpkin seed protein that somebody gave me. So it's like super, just pumpkin seed protein, nothing else added. And then we added in like banana, some berries, uh, a bunch of fresh kale that we got, uh, cucumber, celery, hemp, flax. What else do I put in there? Cinnamon, maybe a bit of soy milk. So soy milk is a little bit higher in protein. So if you're looking for a bit more protein in the morning, I would recommend going with soy milk over almond or coconut or whatever. So we'd have a smoothie today though. I literally I'm running low on food. I just had some sourdough bread with a little bit of vegan mayo, some cucumber, hemp, chili flakes, dulse flakes. Dulse is a seaweed. So as you can see, I eat like a wide variety of food and I love food. And that's the main thing with a plant-based diet. It's not restrictive. It's almost like you end up seeing how many things you've been missing out on. If you were just like, I was sort of like you growing up, like I would have like my piece of meat, my one or two veggies. My mom was good though. She always threw in a salad. She always had the salad on the table as well. So we did kind of grow up eating that. But otherwise, it was very sort of almost each day we had one meat with certain veggies. Mm -hmm. But now it's like I'm eating probably like 30 or 40 different plants a week, maybe more. Who knows? I don't even keep track anymore. I just tell people to aim for 10 plants a day and see if you can do it. Start there. Wow. I won't lie to you. All that sounds delicious, especially that peanut sauce one. I, I, might, I might steal a recipe from you there. I'll send it to you. I love that. And the curries, man. Like you can't go wrong with the curry. No. You know what I'm saying? 
So we talked about offline about game changers, like the Netflix documentary. I guess my first question is, I keep going back to what I know. And I often go to the gym, got to maintain your protein intake, you know, to maintain your muscle mass. So is this truly attainable in your humble opinion with plant-based approach? I'll just disclaimer, I don't usually work like with athletes per se, Mm -hmm. but from what I've seen in the athletes that I've encountered at different conferences and friends of mine who are sort of higher level plant-based athletes, it's totally attainable and actually in some ways preferable because you are focusing on foods that are so anti-inflammatory. One of the biggest things athletes look for is recovery time. Like how quickly can I rebuild that muscle mass, recover from whatever workout or training or race or competition I've been doing? It's all about reducing that time for recovery. And the more plants you're eating, plants are super anti-inflammatory. If you look up the charts, just look up anti-inflammatory foods and plants are the like shining stars by far for anti-inflammatory foods. If you are focusing on, say, eating too many animal proteins, which will be an easier way to load up the protein but you're also loading up on the inflammation. So say somebody is an athlete and looking to eat more plant-based, they're going to need to adjust the way they think about protein and lean into things like tofu, tempeh, lentils, beans, chickpeas, even looking at things like plant-based protein powders. The one I tried, the pumpkin seed one, tastes like pumpkin seeds, not that good. But when you throw in a bunch of other stuff, it works out well. But there's lots of great plant-based protein powders that are going to cause less inflammation. I know so many people that struggle with whey and just that bloat that they get in their stomach from using whey. Mm. So looking into things like a sprouted plant-based protein is an easy way to up that. I find tofu so good and digestible. I love tofu. It's one of my favorite things to play around with, but I do also use a wide variety of plant-based proteins. And from the athletes I speak with, the one thing is it's the calories that you struggle with. So like you can actually lean into fruit more as well. I'll lean into things like uh, tubers. So sweet potatoes, potatoes, ways to get calories as well as nutrition so that you feel full longer because you're burning so many calories. You know, if you're weightlifting or if you're training, you're sprinting or you're playing hockey or basketball, like you're burning a lot of calories and you can afford to eat things that are calorically dense as well as you want things that are dense in nutrients. So don't be afraid of fruits. Don't be afraid of sweet potatoes. Don't be afraid of potatoes. Don't be afraid of even bread and whole grains if you are going for that more plant-based approach. And that's the cool thing is I, I never tell people to avoid bread, especially if they're athletic, they are active. Don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. And other ways to kind of up your calories too would be looking into like nuts and seeds, nut butters. Don't be afraid of the peanut butter, almond butter. If you're kind of a plant-based athlete, go for that stuff too. That's really interesting, Amy. So it sounds like for athletes, they can be quite liberal in terms of their intake, like in terms of even the types of food, which, you know, some people would argue like breads and stuff might be pro-inflammatory, but they need to maintain that caloric intake. I'm also curious your opinion on, you know, a lot of the foods that fruits might be like a high insulin response from them. So is that a consideration in all this? Like, do you find like you need to think about the type of carbs that you're ingesting? Or do you think in terms of If you're going plant-based because your caloric intake is so typically it could be limited, you don't need to think too hard about those concepts or considerations. That's actually a good question too. And something that comes up a lot because I think people are generally confused about like sugar and insulin and how it's going to affect their body. Um, Unfortunately, fruits kind of now plumped into like the same thing as eating a cupcake, which it's not at all. So people really worry about things that do have sugar in them, but 
say for me, I actually did struggle with, I'd get really like low blood sugar in the mornings in my past life before making the switch. And so I am mindful of the sugar. Like I won't eat a bunch of jujubes now. Like I won't eat a bunch of Skittles because I know that's going to throw my blood sugar. That would be too crazy. But I, things like lower glycemic fruits, like berries, apples, pears, citrus fruits. Um, if you are concerned with anything to do with blood sugars, maybe be mindful of which fruits you are choosing. Mm-hmm. I don't worry about things though, because personally now I've got it pretty level. I eat a really balanced diet, lots of fiber, lots of water. I'm an active person, but for some people, they would need to take more consideration, no matter what your dietary inclination is. For somebody who has, um, say, inclination towards diabetes, diabetes history in your family, being mindful of sugars, but I would say first look at where the other sugars are coming in in your life. Are you having salad dressings? Are you putting sugar in your coffee? What kind of snacks are you, are you eating? Granola bars? Eat that apple. Eat that banana. Don't eat the granola bar because apples and bananas are at least going to have fiber and be nutrient dense and have some water content in there. So it's going to slow down the spike of the blood sugar. But like it is, it's a very confusing thing, and I think it's so elusive for a lot of people, like how to manage that. But I found one of the easiest thing for me in managing my own blood sugar has just been focusing on fiber-rich, plant-based, whole foods. I haven't had to think about it anymore. Mm. So just focusing on the ones that are fiber-rich is it worth maybe just listen off some of the the ones that come to mind, like your go-to's in terms of fiber-rich ones. Like my fruits that I would choose. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like. I always, I love apples, love pears. Those are like two of my favorite. And often too, if you're worried, like what you could do is say you're going to slice up an apple, put some cinnamon on it right there. It smells more sweet. Mm. And cinnamon is actually, there There are studies showing that cinnamon can actually help manage blood sugar. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Reduce your glycemic response. Exactly. Then put maybe just a little bit of almond butter on there, a little bit of peanut butter too, that little bit of extra fat, or even just like sprinkle some hemp hearts on there. So having that little bit of fat, having um, the cinnamon and having your apple, which or pear or whatever you want to have with the fiber that it naturally contains and the water, it's, it's going to be a slower response, like a glycemic response. So just thinking about it that way, but berries are great too. I would encourage people to just look up the glycemic index and look at which fruits affect impact that more, but it tends to be like, I personally focus on say, if I was going to eat over eat more of something, it would be berries or apples, pears, or even just having, you know, citrus fruits would be a good way to go. Mm. Yeah, thanks for that. Part of the reasons we're talking now is we're trying to get people healthier in general, like COVID-19. There's a clear association with people that are diabetic, hypertensive, obese, and solvent healthcare. We're just trying to throw tools in people's arsenal as much as we can to get healthier, like whatever might work for you. Because, you know, I, I got into, I don't know what, what you call this, the nutrition space when it came to fasting. Like this is something that I do I've been doing for two and a half years plus, but then learning more about low carb and now plant-based approaches. Um, But yeah, I think, you know, for me, it's just important for people to know that this is an option is can be effective and has some additional benefits, not just only weight loss, but also, as we mentioned, recovery for athletes, anti-inflammatory, like this is beautiful, beautiful. When we were talking offline, we also talked about the environmental aspects of plant-based diets. Certainly on Game Changers, I was blown away at the amount of water required to maintain livestock. That was an impressive statistic. Any considerations that you have in terms of environment, Amy? And it's, it's interesting you asked that question because for me, I was totally oblivious. Like I'm a huge nature lover. I grew up playing in the woods all day. I love like camping, being in nature, hiking. And I never really thought about the impacts of what I eat, how I live and how it impacts the environment until I kind of started along this sort of path, like 
things started coming together, I kind of started connecting the dots and just seeing research. There's a lot of information out there. And I think there's a report called The Long Shadow of Livestock, which you should check out. Um, It was from the UNFAO and they looked at the implications of different kinds of agriculture and how they affect the environment and how they affect sustainability components that we need to consider. And in terms of land usage, water usage, deforestation, species extinction, cattle, livestock is pretty much the most damaging food choice. So it's a lot better to lean into, again, eating more plants. It's just lower, like basically you're cutting out the middleman. So if you think about it this way, in order to feed cattle, we need to grow grain or they can graze, but there's just literally not enough grazing space on the planet right now to feed all humans with grass fed cattle. It's just not going to happen. So what they do is they feed most cattle corn, wheat, or soy. Most soy that is grown, I think in upwards of 80 to 90% isn't even going towards humans. It's directly to feed cattle. So, which is kind of a shocking thing when you start thinking about that, because people are always like, those vegans and their soy are causing the rainforest to be cut down. But actually the rainforests are being cut down so that they can grow soy to feed livestock. So we have to feed animals so much more. The calorie ratio, I forget exactly what the numbers are, but basically the amount of calories you have to get to say have hundred calories of steak that you'd have to feed to a cow. It's just the ratio is really, really off um, in terms of how many calories in calories out. Um, I'll have to find the exact wording for that. And I can probably send you something after because um, I've looked into this and it's just, it's a lot of inputs for the output. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the water usage is a big thing, especially with things like say dairy, cow's milk, it's super, super high inputs of water. Um, one of the best choices we can make it, which is a cool one, is that it oat, oat milk is like the best one for water usage. And oat milk is like the popular one nowadays. Is You have oat milk in there? Word. Yeah. So oat milk, and also it's grown domestically here in Canada. A lot of farmers are trying to grow it without glyphosate, which is a big issue, which you've probably heard a little bit about. It's a herbicide pesticide that's used in farming. So they're trying to reduce that. But oat is delicious too. It's so creamy. It's naturally sweet because of the oats. So it's gluten-free, it's vegan. It's amazing. So if you're kind of trying to think of impacts and how you can reduce your, you know, what you're doing and how it impacts the globe, even if it just starts with changing out dairy from your coffee to trying oat milk, just switch there, start with that. Or even if, you know, maybe you eat meat seven days a week, go to five days. Because right there, if everybody did that, we'd actually see a major, major impact on the planet. So it's just making these small changes and really thinking about that because most of us don't even think about what we're eating, A, until we become sick from something. And then you're like, oh my gosh, what I've been, what I've been eating has been making me sick all this time. So right there, you have that awareness. Okay, my food's making me sick. But then how is what I'm doing affecting the bigger picture? Because I do feel I'm a very holistic person the way I think. I think globally, not just locally, if I can. How are my food choices? How are my choices as a human affecting other humans? I have the privilege and to access good, healthy food. And I'm always so thankful for that. I have the privilege and access to so many things that others don't. Are there ways that I can reduce suffering on other humans, other animals? Is there a way that I can be kinder on the environment and eating more plant-based? There's just so much evidence out there. You may see people that say things to the contrary, but usually it's farmers. Usually it's cattle farmers who have a huge industry and lobby groups behind them to put out studies, some of them which aren't true. And I'm sorry if anyone's listening to this and they don't agree with me, but you've got to look at the science on this. There's just so much evidence that eating more plants is better for the environment and the data just keeps coming out more and more. And it's something that we've got to think about, not just for ourselves now, but for our future generations, especially people with kids. Like, what are we leaving for them? I like the consciousness aspect of things. You do see, like, it's so hard to sift through the nutrition evidence and 
you do get conflicting stuff when it comes from the environmental stuff, but it's, it's, as you mentioned, you got to know where the source is coming from. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like the idea though, of the effort of trying to be conscious of our environment. Certainly at our house, we've for a while now just been trying to have that more balanced approach. Like we'll have one non-meat meal a week for sure. And, uh, you know, it's certainly, I think it's good to consider all these things, um, Amy. Absolutely. And you know, like I have to say too, is that depending on where you're at in your life, like for those of us who have the opportunity, the privilege to actually have this self-reflection and this time to think, I think it, we owe it to those others. Cause there's a lot of people out there struggling, especially now with COVID, but I mean, worldwide, if you're barely having access to food, if you're struggling with food security, eat what you can. But yeah. those of us that have that opportunity to stop and think for a second, why not do that? Because we have that extreme privilege in life to take a moment to reflect. How can I do something that might be a little bit better for others? Because if we destroy the planet, it doesn't matter what our diet is. We're going to have nowhere to live. So it doesn't matter. Our dietary debates can go out the window. If we've got nowhere to live and our soil quality is reduced, then we have nothing to eat. So at the end of the day, how can we think about our own health, but also health, longevity and prosperity of humanity? Like, really? I think uh, these are all great points. And I always say, think about them kids yeah, and our kids' kids, yo. Any other parting points that you'd want to send out to Solving Healthcare Quadcast listeners in terms of plant-based approaches? I'll say just start where you are. No matter where you are, you're you're always learning. Whether it's just if you have never eaten a plant-based meal, maybe try to find a local restaurant that you know is a cool one that people love. Go there, try out something and ask them what the most popular thing on the menu is. It might not even be the healthiest, but just to kind of experiment and show your palate something different. Or maybe just take your favorite meal. Like if you love bolognese sauce and maybe you normally do meat, maybe just Google vegan bolognese and swap out the beef, try some beans, try some lentils, try some tofu in there and said there's tons of recipes online. Just start with one thing. And you know what? It might not be the best at first because it's like anything like you're not going to be good at cooking vegan food or plant-based food if you've never done it before. It's a learning process. So don't be hard on yourself. Just start small. It could even be just maybe changing it one breakfast a week. And that's how we make change that's sustainable and that lasts. Trying to do an overhaul, I find, doesn't work for most people. Start with one thing. Educate yourself. Read one book. There's so many good resources out there, whether it's like, uh, there's a book called How Not to Die. Have you seen that one? No. It's actually an amazing book just for people looking for a good immersion into plant-based eating and really understanding it. A doctor has written this book, but he kind of compiled all of the latest research and he gives you literally a list of like which foods you should focus on. And that's what he, he doesn't say which to avoid. He's like, just focus on these foods, try to get some of these in every day. And I love that approach rather than saying like, avoid this, just make a shift, try to focus on these things, see how you do. And don't be hard on yourself. That's the main yeah. thing. Any change, just be easy on yourself. We're all just trying to get by. This is tough times with COVID. Everyone has, you've got your kids at home. Everyone's just got to be easy on ourselves. We're just trying to get through this and be nice to each other. Amen. I love it. Those are great parting words. Amy, where can uh, people get a hold of you? So they can find me on Instagram. I'm just at Amy Longard. I'm also on Facebook as well. And if any of your listeners are interested in learning more about plant-based foods and learning to want to try more recipes, I have a private Facebook group called Plant-Based Breakthrough Community. It's on Facebook. Just check out my website too. It's just amylongard.com and you can find links, all that stuff. Amazing. Amy, this was a lot of fun. I got educated big time. Thanks for throwing down local talent. Amy Longard, it was a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much. It was great chatting with you. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Solving Healthcare. That was awesome with Amy. I learned a ton. Plant-based diets, another tool in our arsenal that we could use to get healthier during this pandemic time. Please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube at Quadcast. 
Any comments, leave at quadcast99 at gmail.com. Just want to thank Julia for uh, helping find Amy. She's part of our social media team, as you know. Great job. You can follow her on A Spoonful of Science on Instagram as well. And guys, let's continue to stay safe and stay positive. And we'll connect again real soon. Peace.